Well, it's, uh, it's great to have you all in this app se session. We're focusing on volunteers and building vision within volunteers. And I have a great honor of introducing a great pastor and a great friend of ARC. And I know he's got a lot of encouragement for you guys. This is Pastor Dale O'Shields. Pastor Dale O'Shields, he, he pastors in the D.C. metro area. And I was reading over some of the notes earlier when I went through the ARC assessment, when they assigned me a city to uh, me and my team to kind of make a presentation. We got the DC metro area. So when I saw that, I thought it was pretty cool. I ended up in Mississippi, so it didn't work out. But uh, but anyway, uh, he's been pastoring over 30 years of ministry experience, 32 years. Amazing. And you've been married how long? 41 years. 41. Come on, give him a hand clap for that. <laughs> two daughters and seven grandchildren. Isn't that correct? And two son sons-in-laws that go along with the daughters. <laughs> Yeah. Amazing, amazing. Pastor's Church is Church of the Redeemer, five campuses, multicultural, multi-generational, and just he's investing his life in the next generation of leaders. Y'all give it up for Pastor Dale. Well, thank you so much. And my wife is here. She's right in the very back. And so my wife, Terry. And so uh, thanks for the opportunity being able to share with you. It's our joy to uh, be able to, to be partners and connecting with, with ARC and all that God's doing. I know that uh, uh, many of you are here as either senior pastors, team leaders, uh, and different roles. But I'm going to talk to us for a few moments about uh, the why and the what of volunteers. And we're going to save about 15 to 20 minutes at the end. Uh, I have been pastoring. Our, we, we planted Church of the Redeemer in 1986. So this will be our 32nd year uh, church plant, uh, having been a church plant. And so we did it, uh, we did it not the ark way, but as they say, the hard way, okay? And so uh, uh, we uh, actually started the church knocking on doors and handing out flyers and, and just li literally door to door. I think the first uh, summer that we started, I'll show you how crazy we were, we started our church in the middle of July, if you can imagine. Uh, but we knocked on doors and invited people to church and had been engaged in just that whole process. So we know kind of where you've been, where you are, and Hopefully some things that will help you at uh, various levels of church life in terms of volunteers. But I thought what I would do to begin with is just to make sure as we get started today that we all have a good theology, okay? Because I think anything that you do in terms of uh, leadership of church, you need to make sure that you're doing it for the right reason. There's a why behind it. Because if you don't have the right why, you'll never get the what right. It's always the why that leads to the right what's in any area of church life. And so as I was thinking about this this particular sharing with us today, why? Why volunteers in our church? And there are a number of different reasons that we could talk about. Obviously, we realize that uh, everybody in the church has a certain amount of giftings, capacity, ability. Uh, we want to make sure that we're developing those uh, that capacity. But I think there's a, a more important element of this, and that's found in Ephesians chapter 4, where the Bible speaks of the fact that we're called to be apostles. There's some called to be apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers. Notice this, for the equipping of the saints for the work of the ministry, okay? And so it's extremely important that we don't forget that role, that as people who are engaged in church life and church leadership, really it's not so much our job to do the ministry, it's our job to equip the saints, the people of God, to actually do ministry. And that's why God, so in His wisdom, it gives us this this wonderful role of responsibility and leadership because really when you begin to equip the saints for the work of ministry, what you begin to have is, in some sense, an unlimited scalable potential of being able to reach uh, massive numbers of people. And that's extremely important to realize because in any staff staff situation of a church, you, you're only going to be limited to so many people. 
I remember when we first started our church, and our church grew to about uh, 500 before I had a first full-time staff member. And so I was like running around like crazy. My door was just, I mean, from start to finish every day. And I realized, you know what, I've got to change. I've got to turn some things around uh, and not only just hire staff, but begin to develop not only systems, but people within the context of the church that can actually do the work of ministry. And so I think when we realize this, it becomes a part of this is not just something we want to do so the church will uh, be better or we can do more things, but it's really the heart of God that we as apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers, those in the work of ministry, we're actually engaging this whole process of equipping the saints. And that's perhaps one of the greatest things that you and I will ever do in ministry is to equip people to do ministry. And that's the, that's really what a leader is. A leader is being able to give other people capacity to develop. And what we've learned in our church over these 32 years is that when you're developing people in ministry, uh, and that takes many different forms, many different expressions, but when you're doing that, you're not only helping the church and helping the ministries of the church, you're actually helping people in every realm of life, okay? We have people uh, in our church that, that have gotten promotions, that have been developed in the church, and it transfers into other realms of life. And uh, what you're doing is not just taking care of the church, you're developing developing people. And that's really what it's all about. I've always believed in our church that we're not about building a big church. We're about building big people because if you build big people, then of course growth will come out of that. And so that's the theology that I've already always tried to operate with, that it's my, my role to begin to uh, equip saints for the work of the ministry and to make sure that we have uh, leaders in place that do that. So I'm going to talk to you about five things, okay, that I think are essential if you're going to equip saints for the work of the ministry. Five elements that I think are essential if you're going to have a, a, a really a true uh, approach, uh, I think a biblical approach to volunteers. And the first one uh, was mentioned earlier as a, is kind of a part of the the title of this this particular workshop, and that's the word vision. I think perhaps one of the one of the things that causes our churches to miss opportunities for the development of volunteers is just I think we have this orientation to communicate need more than we communicate vision. And I think there's a shift that can happen not only mentally and and in your own heart and mind, but also even in the way that you speak and communicate, uh, because vision always attracts far more people than need ever will. Okay, just think about it. you give your spare change to people who are in need. <laughs> You give money to people who have vision, okay? You see the difference, okay? You drop spare change in the side of that person, they have some need in their life. And so you give the small things to things that are people that are in need, but you give you give generously and magnanimously to, 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 to a vision. And I think sometimes it's extremely important that we shift our, our terminology. I don't allow in our church us to ever do any kind of an advertisement uh, or an approach to recruiting volunteers that is need-based. We never do a need-based. We don't, we don't say we need you to serve in this ministry. We paint a vision of the difference that you can make when you're engaged in a ministry. When you paint a vision, when you help that person in the nursery realize, I'm not just showing up to take care of children because they need me in the nursery. No, I'm actually having the opportunity of praying over these little kids and helping plan in them something that might take them for the rest of their life. And my vision is to be able to be a part of imparting something to them. It begins to say, you know, the nursery now becomes very, very important and valuable. And so part of being able to help people have a vision is to make sure that you have a clearly defined 
defined mission. And everybody on the team knows what the mission is. We at our church, we have three words that we use for our mission, connect, grow, and serve. Those three words, we connect people to God and to his church. We grow uh, faithful and fruitful followers of Jesus Christ. And then we call, call people to serve, to give themselves in sacrifice, sacrificial service to the kingdom. And we train every one of our volunteers in the vision. You're a part, you're linked at some level. It, it, wherever you serve in the church, it draws back to one of those three things. You're either in a connect dimension of things, you're in a grow dimension of things, you're in the discipleship department, or you're in some other area of the, uh, the, the church, or if you're in service, where it might be missions, whatever it might be, those areas, then you're connected to some dimension of service in the church. And so it's helping them, or mission of the church. So it's extremely important to paint the vision, to help people realize you really do have gifts. I preached a message this past Sunday, and uh, uh, and I was talking about uh, just the, the power of faith at work in our lives. And one of the statements that I gave to our church this weekend, and I was kind of surprised at what an impact it made, as I simply made the statement to people, your life really matters. And when I said that, it was like everybody's eyes just sort of opened up in a fresh way to be reminded that their life really does matter. And when you can communicate to the people of your church that what you have in you, that God has placed in you, it matters. There are gifts in you. There's a vision and a mission that God's given us as a church. And now we want to be a team together accomplishing that. So I think one of the most important things you can do if you're going to build a solid volunteer culture is to make sure that you have a clear vision of what you're trying to accomplish. You have the right language to communicate that vision and you recruit people on the basis of vision. You do not recruit people on the basis of need. I would encourage you to go back through all of your promotional material. If you find the word need you, we need you to serve, go through and do an edit. Get rid of those words. Find a better way to say it. Paint a picture that says you can make a difference with your life in this area. We want you to serve because this is the value that you will add to our church family. We're a team. We need you. You're a part. You have gifts. You have capacity to be a part of what God is doing here. And another thing to import, important to say as well is that we want you. Okay. A lot of times people think, because most of us have an inferiority complex. Anybody, any of you here, they just shake your head and say you've struggled with insecurity at some point in time in your life? Of course, we all have, right? Okay. A little insecurity. I'm not sure if I could fit in. I'm not sure if I could make it. I'm not sure if they really want me. But when you stand up and say, we really do want you. We want you to be a part. We want you to be a part of this team. There's a place in this place for you. And you communicate with language like that. Suddenly people say, you mean you, you really want me to be a part? Yes, we really do want you because you have something to offer. So I think the first thing that we lack on in all, and many times in our churches, may not be true in your church, but it's something we've had to learn in ours, is to make sure that we are recruiting on the basis of vision, not on the basis of need. And so that's the first word that I would say. The second thing I would throw out to you, is to make sure that you have very clear, clearly marked what I would call entrance and acceleration lanes when it comes to, uh, to volunteers. And I would ask you, do you have clearly marked entrance ramps and acceleration ramps for people in terms of volunteers in your church? You need, they need to know how to get on the freeway, okay? If you go out and you're, head back, you're heading back toward uh, Birmingham or the airport, whatever it might be, one of the things, if you're going, trying to get to a destination, one of the places you're looking for is you're looking for two things. You're looking for the right entrance to the right road, and you're looking for the right exit, right? Okay? You got to know where the entrance is and the exit is. Let me talk about the entrance first, and then I'll talk about the exit in just a moment. The entrance is clearly, there's a clear sense of people having a place where uh, they are invited onto the freeway of serving. 
And we have really two avenues in our church where we do that. Number one is through uh, our what we call a starting point. Our starting point really is some of you may be familiar with the con- uh, concept of growth track. And so growth track is our starting point. It's what we call it in our church, very similar to, 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 to growth track. We make it very clear in that third class of our starting point or growth track that we, we have a ministry fair. We have all the ministries there. We have an opportunity for people to understand what they are, ask any questions. We have all the information for their application there. And we work very diligently to make sure they understand through those three weeks and they get to that final third week, a starting point, And there is a clear entrance ramp for them. And we, that's where we help them understand you can get on and get on now. And this is a place that you can be a part of things because what you don't want to do is you don't want to make people stand around church for six months or, or eight months or a year before you let them serve. You want to get people serving as quickly as possible. I know old school church was, well, we got to keep you around here for two or three years and then we'll see if we'll let you set up chairs. You know, we'll see what we'll let you do after that. But that's not, that's not where people are in today's culture. Uh, and, the, and the best way to feel a part of something in a church, as you well know, is to either be a small part of a small group or a serve group because a serve group becomes a small group for you. And so there's this clear entrance ramp and starting point or your growth track needs to be very clearly and strategically organized so that you are actually tracking how you're doing. We take strong metrics on our starting point and we make sure that we're looking at those metrics. And what do we do this time? Is it, Do we get a better percentage of, of volunteers signing up this time than last time? What could we do better? So we do the after, uh, after analysis each time to learn what we can do. But this is critical. And then we also have not just the starting point time, we have special times throughout the year where we say we're going to create a special own ramp right now that is separate from starting point or growth track. And one of those times is Easter. Because obviously at Easter we have a lot of outreach, a lot of things. We have a big, massive thing at our church at Easter time, and we need piles of volunteers. This last Easter we had 3,500 volunteers that we had for Easter, okay? Uh, so that's a lot of volunteers. And so we had to ramp up our level of volunteers, and so what we did is we made a special appeal. Maybe you haven't served anywhere, but here's a time that you can get on the ramp. Even if you haven't gone through starting point, uh, let's get you on a ramp and get you started, get you engaged, and we put them, connected them up with people who are already serving in other areas, and we do that at Serve Day uh, uh, that is coming up in July, other times during the year. But I think it's extremely important that you have something systematic uh, that goes on week uh, week after week or month after month, and then something that is unique at special times where you actually have this clear on-ramp. Now, that's the entrance thing. So they ha- every entrance needs to be clearly marked, right? Ever been on a, uh, on a freeway? And you're like, I- I'm not sure if this is the right road or not, okay? But there's clear signs that people know how to get on. But what's the other sign that you need when you're on a freeway? You need the exit sign, okay? So I think it's also important whenever you've, you're recruiting people to be a part of a volunteer team that you let them know this doesn't have to be for the rest of your life, okay? This is not something that you have to do forever, okay? If you get down this pathway and you realize this is not something you enjoy, it's okay. It's fine. We have some exit ramps for you. Your exit ramp might be a season of life, okay? You know, all of a sudden you've got, two new, you've got a new baby at home and you can't serve like you did before. You're not a bad person. You're 
not a bad Christian anymore. You're not a bad church member because you've had this new season of your life. Or maybe you found out you don't really like children's ministry. Uh, that's okay. Uh, we'll help you find another place where you can serve. But it's extremely important to not only help people and give them permission to get on the road, but it's also important to give per- people permission to get off at certain exits along the way or to make uh, adjustments or direction changes as a part of their volunteer service. But this whole idea of having clearly marked entrance and, uh, and acceleration lanes, I think, would be extremely, extremely important. The third thing I'll share with you is, is the word investment. The concept of investment really is, the question would be, what are you investing in your volunteers? Jesus said, where your treasure is, there your heart will be also, right? And I think all of us recognize that investment always follows value. What you truly value is what you will invest in. And if you value your volunteers, then you will know, they will know that you value them by investment. And in just a moment, I'm going to talk specifically about value in of itself. But at this point, I want to talk about investment. And the most important investment that we can give to our volunteers is to give to them the investment of training, of discipling, of enlarging their lives. I really believe that when people are a vital part of a local church, their lives get bigger. Do you believe that? Okay. I believe that they really get involved in local church. They begin to serve and serve God because serving is a part of your generosity. It's not just giving of your finances, but serving is a part of your generosity. It's a part of exercising your spiritual gifts and your spiritual muscles. And when you do that, every time you exercise a muscle, something gets bigger, something grows, something becomes stronger. And so our our goal is to train our volunteers well, to make sure that they're well supervised and taken care of in terms especially of training. And so if, if you don't don't invest in them. People will begin to feel like you're using them, okay? And we don't, you, you use things. You love people and you use things, okay? I think our culture, we, we, use, we use people and love things. That's, the, that's how we, rip, we kind of flip things around. But in the church world, it should be different, amen, okay? In the church world, it should be, we love people, we use things. We got all these resources over here that we use and the technical stuff that we use, et cetera, those kind of things. But people, we love you and we love you. We're going to communicate our love to you by making sure that we're investing training in you. And so I really want to encourage you if you're not doing so already, uh, or maybe if you're doing it in some form, but maybe you need to ramp it up a bit to think about a comprehensive training program for all of your volunteers. Comprehensive training. Uh, several years ago, I, I began to have this burden. We, we've always done training in our church, but I wanted to make sure that all of our volunteers, because we're multi-site, and we have uh, volunteers all these different campuses, and I wanted to make sure that, uh, of course, with a multi-site church, any church, you want to make sure uh, all your departments are carrying the right DNA, right? Got it? Okay. You want to make sure they got your church culture, okay? Because every church has its own unique personality, its own unique culture, and so how do you make sure that that kind of happens across the board? And one of the things that you want to make sure that they have for First and foremost is a kingdom culture, right? That we're here to serve, that we have this 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 a spirit of excellence and all those things that we value is I'm sure that you do in your church as well. And so I actually prepared, I said, I'm looking for something that will give me the ability to bring in every volunteer, no matter where they are, if they're in the altar ministry or they're serving in the parking lot, it doesn't matter at what level spiritual of leadership they have, that we all get on the same page together and we have some a certain set of core 
core values that are that are woven into the culture of our church. And so I actually wrote a book called Living and Giving God's Dream. It's a great little book, and uh, and it's actually it's not written directed toward our church. It's written for any church. And what I do is every year I take once a month for six months I take uh, our all of our volunteers. I personally teach this myself, and I take all of our volunteers uh, each year that have not gone through it. Well, we have a class of about two hundred right now that are now taking the class, and we take them through. Uh, I think it's seven lessons, I believe it is, and we we walk them through the essence of what it means to have a kingdom culture. Highly recommend this. Be a, I I know it's a good resource. You can find it online. Uh, we have it at our church website, church-redeemer.org slash. I think it's called Living uh, uh, Living Living the Dream or something of that nature. You can get it on Amazon. But uh, look for something that is you can train. It doesn't have to be this, but look for something that you can utilize that will be a, that is systematically you're training people uh, in in some kind of comprehensive ongoing program that you get everybody on the same page. Our church has really benefited from that comprehensive uh, training program. And then make sure that the people who are overseeing your your areas of ministry responsibility that they are they're actually engaged in personal discipleship. They're actually caring for people. It's not like showing up here an usher today. This is what we got to do today. Let's do the following things. But no, when you get together with the people, that there's an element of we care about you. We want to find out what's going on with you. There's a discipling, mentoring, personal engagement, and of course, there's always specialized training that's needed. And then one thing we've added to our church that's been so valuable. Some of you may do something like this: is that for every every service team, for every service, for every campus, we always have pre-service VIP meetings. Okay, the the pre-service VIP meetings is just so valuable. That's changed our culture so positively. And the VIP meetings are three things. Every team leader pulls the team together, and each week we get from our volunteer coordinator uh, the, the 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 main things that are the vision. Well, first of all, we remind everybody what our vision is, and then what the points of information are for that weekend, so that whoever you are, you know what's important. Vision uh, f- from an information standpoint for that weekend. And then P is for prayer, that we make sure we take time and pray around the needs that are part of that. And suddenly you've got the children's ministry department, all their little teams are getting together and they're going through, what's our vision? Why are we here? What's the information for this weekend? Now, anybody have some prayer requests? What's going on with your kids? How can we pray for you today? Let's pray for God's anointing on what we're doing. But it's more than just praying for the service, praying for the people that are in the group. And that little VIP time, it just charges everybody up and reminds them. Because as you well know, Vision has to be reiterated over and over again because vision leaks. Everybody has holes in them, okay? And so you pour vision in and it leaks out. So you got to pour more vision in because that's going to leak out. And so every week we're pouring that vision in uh, so that there's a fresh sense of why we're here this weekend. This is what we're doing. This is the information for the weekend. This is the prayer that we need to engage in together. One of the things we also invested in our church uh, is one specific. Uh, actually, we have two people now that are focused on this as a volunteer coordination staff position to make sure that we're processing people well, that we're paying attention to that, that people feel like there's someone on the staff as a volunteer that they can connect with, that we're engaged in that process, and making sure there's some adva- advancement opportunities for them as well. I'll say one more thing about this investment area before I go to the next point. Jesus, when he called his disciples... Remember when he goes by the the seashore of Galilee and he finds uh, Andrew and Peter and James and John and he says, come follow me. And what else did he say after that? And I will. 
make you fishers of men. It's very interesting that Jesus said, come follow me and I will make you. That word make is a word that emphasizes a process, okay? If you ladies, you, you make a cake, what have you done? You've got the ingredients together, you've worked it out, you've baked it a certain amount of time. There's a process that goes into it. And so Jesus was saying, come follow me, and you're not going to automatically overnight become a fisher of men, but I'm going to take you through a process that by the time you get through it, you're going to be at a whole new level of living. Your life is going to be different because of the investment that I'm going to make in you. When you, when you and I can begin to think of our volunteers that way as we are now responsible as people in ministry to equip them for ministry. We're, we're actually engaging them in a process of investing in them in a way that makes their life uh, better. It makes them and takes them to another level of living. The fourth word I'll give you today is the word value. Okay. And we talked about investment, but uh, investment and value do go together. But I want to talk about the valuing of volunteers that goes beyond just the training element. And really, it, it just this is the part where it includes expressing systematically, expressing appreciation. Okay, everybody likes to hear thank you, right? And I think one of the things that I think Pastor Chris did such an amazing job last night of talking about fathers and sons and, and that role that we have of affirming and appreciating and that the value that we impart in terms of that. And our volunteers need to be able to hear us say to them, we really do value you. That face to face that I can say, you know what, I saw you today back there in that usher thing. I know you had some tough people trying to seat them. And I noticed that from the platform. I noticed that what you did, you handled it really, really well. I'm really proud of you. Now, when the pastor or someone on the staff that has a key response but walks up to a volunteer and has noticed something like that and communicates that to them, what does that do for this usher? I mean, everything changes for them. All of a sudden, they say, wow, what I'm doing really is important. It has value. Because to value something means to consider it of worth and to show it. That's all the word means. Value means to consider something of worth, but not just to consider it, but to actually show it. And so some of the ways that we value our volunteers in our church is through uh, intermittently. I'll, I'll make very specific mention of them in, 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 uh, in messages or in announcement time or whatever it might be. I just want to acknowledge this group of people or let's take a moment and thank God for all I means. It's cold outside. We live in the D.C. area, so you got the cold winters. And so let's just take a moment in the service right now. Don't you appreciate all those guys that parked your car this morning? Isn't it amazing what they, they're out there in the cold today? Let's all give them a round of applause. And all you guys that park cars, hey, lift your hand. We're thankful for you. They're in that moment in the service. It takes less than 30 seconds sometimes, but that says we recognized you. And it's always important to recognize the people who don't get recognized, okay? Most of the people at times, you're in the altar ministry, you're up front or whatever it might be, or whatever your, 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 your more up front roles are, uh, those folks don't necessarily need as much attention. But what you want to do is find the people who are doing something that nobody notices and you celebrate that by intermittently through your services, by, as I said, through your personal observation and compliments. I think one of the nice ways to do it nowadays is through social media. If you find someone, get somebody to go around taking some pictures uh, of some volunteers and post it on your social media site. Hey, just want to look at look look at John today he's out there parking cars or look at Sally who was serving in the children's ministry today or don't we thank God for our picture of our worship team you put that up on social media and it gives you the capacity to appreciate in a broader perspective and then we at our church we do three events every year 
that are for all of our volunteers, okay? And we put money into it. I'm talking about significant amount of budget into it and attention to it. But three times every year, uh, all of our teams come together from all campuses for these three events. Every January, February, we have what, I call, what we call our Volunteer Summit. And our volunteer summit is is a is a Saturday morning. It starts at nine o'clock, nine thirty, goes through after lunch, and we just do an incredible job that day of celebrating our volunteers. Uh, I'll usually give a special message of encouragement. We pray over them. We, we we you know they're always giving, so we're pouring especially into them that day. We have a lot of fun games that we do, and a lot of we always do a special video where we celebrate them. But we take about four out four to five hours. We give them a great lunch, give them breakfast. I think and a lunch as well, at least lunch for sure. And we just celebrate. And I'm telling you, those volunteers, they love it. I mean, one of the greatest highlights of our year is that volunteer summit where we have that, that day that is dedicated for them. And then every year, we go to a special place. Every summer, we go to a special, uh, uh, pic- uh, it's, it's a, like a corporate uh, picnic grounds that we rent out. And we do a really big barbecue picnic for them, games for all their kids. And we just have a massive time. Come on out. We give them gifts for that that day come on out we have a special gift for you feed you and just celebrate no, no nothing we're asking of you we just want to pour into you and then of course at the christmas season we do christmas parties for all of them which i'm sure that you do as well but there has to be something where all your volunteers know that systematically this church says that they they really really do care about me that i am valuable they notice what i'm doing it's acknowledged and it is valued by people and again if you're a senior pastor I can't tell you, as you perhaps most likely well know, that 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 note from a senior pastor, taking time to write somebody a letter, write somebody a little handwritten note and say, I just want to thank you for what you do in this area of ministry. I do that from time to time. And those notes, I had one guy that put up, when we were in in a mobile site, a number of years ago, I had a guy that uh, in my church who he, just, he was kind of socially awkward, kind of difficult. But I asked him, I said, would you do me one favor every Sunday? Would you be the guy that we were meeting in a high school at that time? Would you be the guy that sets up this this sign at the high school? For I just want you just one thing, put it out there every morning at seven o'clock in the morning. Would you be the person that will volunteer to? He said, "Yes, Pastor, I'll do that for you." And faithfully he did that. And then after a couple of years, I wrote him a handwritten letter, uh, or actually I think I had it printed up and signed it for him, thanking him for what he did. He told me later that that letter to this day is still framed in his bedroom. It came because of an appreciation that I extended to him. You never know that how many people are just waiting for somebody to say thank you for what you did, all right? And then the last thing I'll mention here is uh, is example and what I would call staff expectations, all right? This helping anybody today a little bit, okay? Yes. It's extremely important that we make sure that as a staff and staff people that we're setting the example that we want our volunteers to experience. And to, and, to, and, and, and to emulate. In our church, we teach that there, there are four th- key things that we, we think make a, a solid church member, okay? And perhaps you've used this before as well. This is not, to, this is not, uh, uh, not something that, that I created. It's something that's perhaps very well known among church life. But we teach we want, want you to be faithful. We want you to be available. We want you to be teachable. And we want you to be enthusiastic, Okay. 
If you're going to serve in our church, we want you to be faithful. If you say you're going to do something, we want you to do it, right? We want you to be faithful to Jesus, faithful to your family, faithful to the church. We want you to be available. That is, don't have an agenda. Don't come to church and say, I'm only going to serve in this department. Now, sometimes in our families, you do whatever you need to do, right? Okay? And so availability is not, I don't have any agenda. Uh, one agenda is to serve Jesus, to serve, do whatever I can do. And so I'm not stuck in one area. I'm not going to say, I'm only going to serve if you let me do this, okay? And so we want you to be available, okay? And then we want you to be teachable because everybody needs to grow. And so we need to have that moment where we, we feel free. We can walk up to you and say, you know what? Let me help you with that, that approach that you had to, to, to greeting. We want you to learn from this. So we want you to have that humility that we're able to speak into your life and help you to grow. And we all want to have that kind of growability, that teachability. And then we want you to be enthusiastic. We want you to really love being in this church. If you don't love be here, being here in our church, go find a church that you love being a part of. Because life is way too short to be miserable at a church. Amen? Okay? Right? Okay? It's like, if you have people that are up, uh, unhappy at your church, say, please, quickly, go find another church because life is too short to be unhappy, okay? Life is just way too short to be unhappy. And so if you're not happy here, that's all right. Go find yourself a church where you can be uh, enthusiastic because you want to be whatever church you're in, you want to be enthusiastic. You want to believe, believe this is the best church in the world, okay? And so we want our volunteer, we want our staff to emulate that first, right? Because you want your staff to say faithful, available, teachable, enthusiastic. And then you want your volunteers to do that. Now, here's what often will happen. Sometimes in church, what you do is your, your staff comes from your volunteer pool sometimes, right? Okay. That you find someone who's an incredible volunteer, and they've been doing an amazing job, and then you finally get the budget to where you can hire someone. And you say, who do we want to hire to do that job? Well, we know who we want to hire. We want to hire the person who's been the awesome, most awesome volunteer in that department. You hire them, and then all of a sudden, it's like they have a personality change. <laughs> right? Suddenly, they move from they've been this massive, incredible, enthusiastic, faithful, available, teachable person, and now they're on staff, and now they're entitled. Oh, you know, I... I, I, I I put my time in. I don't need to do this, right? It's an incredible thing. I've watched it happen over 32 years, how there's just this shift, this subtle shift. And so we try to teach our staff that you need to, you need to approach your ministry with a, with a volunteer mindset, okay? That we, how many have people in your church that they're, they're showing up? I mean, they work 40, 50, 60 hours a week, even more, and they're, they're there early and stay late, and they're putting in extra hours and going the extra mile, and then you got staff members that want to just check out at 4 p.m., right? Okay? You see what I'm talking about? Okay? Let me ask, what's wrong with that picture? Are you hearing me? Yeah. Now, I'm talking to church people, I, 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 like I'm talking to my staff as well, okay? What's wrong with that picture? What that does is, over a period of time, that, that demoralizes your volunteers, okay? It causes your volunteers to say, you know, what, what's really going on here? And here's what I tell our, our I try to tell our, our team. We want a staff direct church, but a volunteer-driven church, okay? Staff directed, that is, we're going to give direction and help oversee where we're going by our words and by our example, but we want you to be, the volunteers are driving the bus, okay? Because anytime you give owner, you give the bus to the, to the volunteer, they have more ownership as a part of it. But this whole idea of having the right example is extremely important, and every staff member needs to see themselves as, a, as, as an example to the volunteer teams around. And I tell our staff all the time, there are no big shots in this church. 
right? Once you get to the point where you think I'm on the staff and I'm like, I'm a big shot. I can sort of tell people what to do. Then you're missing the culture of the kingdom. Jesus himself, as you well know, he washed people's feet. And so we want to set that kind of example and that kind of expectation. And you never, one of the things we also hear, and we'll have some questions in a moment, but one of the other things we try to do in our church is we totally de-emphasize titles. We well, I mean, it's like people get frustrated at our church because what, what's your title? Well, I don't know. I don't have one, okay? We, we de-emphasize titles, okay? And we highly emphasize towels, okay? Okay? Because every, in many churches, the whole idea is once you get a title, okay, then it's amazing again what a title. You know, you put some, you, some people, all you have to do is give them a title to ruin them. Right? You said, now you can make them in charge of the water cooler, okay? And you give them water cooler, you're supervisor of the water cooler. And before long, they got a list of 50 rules of the water cooler, right? Okay? They're in charge. I mean, they're standing in front of the water cooler and in charge because now they've got domain, okay? Right? They've got a title. And so uh, to, to make sure, while you can have titles and understand that and the value of that, titles should always reflect function, what a person does. So a title can reflect in terms of a function. But realize that the staff is there to set, to serve the volunteers, to empower the volunteers, to help give direction to the volunteers, but to set the highest example for them. And so the five words that I would give, I think, are, are valuable. What are they again? Vision. Okay. So what are you doing? Are you giving vision? You're not, not promoting volunteers on the basis of need, but on the basis of vision. You have very clearly marked entrance and acceleration lanes so that people know how to get on the, the, the pathway of service. Make sure as a part of that, you have some exit lanes as well uh, so that they know how to get off if they need to. Make sure that you have some kind of approach to investment uh, systematically and then uh, individually as a part of it. Make sure you're valuing people effectively uh, in the different realms we talked about and then make sure that there's a clear uh, po positive example and that we've established good staff expectations regarding uh, how people are to relate to volunteers and the example that needs to be shared there, okay? So those are some thoughts from 32 years of uh, doing something called church, okay? And hopefully that helps you a little bit and uh, we'll take some time for some questions. Yes, sir. All right, we're going to use the microphone because it's being recorded, so I'm going to pass it down to you. So thank you so much for an amazing session. Um, two things I actually want to, one is a, a statement um, of gratitude, and then the first one is a question. So I'll begin with the question. Um, you talked about, through your starting point, you measure certain metrics um, outside of just how many people getting plugged in or how many people graduated or completed starting point. Um, what other metrics are you measuring to ensure the success and the value that you're adding to not only the individuals, but also the church through starting point? Okay, great question, because there's, there's so many variables to, to, to metrics, okay? And one of the metrics we will use is a metric, for example, of we, we, we track who did the hosting of, of the starting point system, okay? Uh, who hosted it this, this time, okay? And then we look at, okay, based upon who hosted it, what was the end result of the number of people that completed starting point? And then the, the percentage of people that actually signed up, okay? Because sometimes people are better at it than others, right? And so what you want to do is find the people who actually have the highest percentage of success, and 
if not allow them to always do it all the time, it's certainly let them train the people that are doing it. So that's that's one key metric. Also, we try to measure which which departments that come out of that third starting point class where you have sort of your ministry fair and people are signing up for ministries, which which de- which departments are getting uh, are are converting the most people into service. Okay, in other words, maybe we found out that the children's ministry they got like ninety percent uh, effectiveness, and let's say men's ministry is only getting twelve percent. What's the difference? What's going on here? Is it just something that's based upon demographics, or or is it something in terms of how we're approaching things? And so to really look at the whole system of how the number of people coming in completing the course and then getting plugged in and where they're getting plugged in and and who are what departments are part of that process and which are doing it well and which are not and it's interesting as you go through the year you can see trends that will begin to develop does that answer your question at all absolutely absolutely uh the the second part is in 2005 i gave my heart to the lord in 2007 i discovered your podcast i was caught up in false religion and false doctrine i was part of a denomination that was totally crazy. And you always said, find a Bible teaching church. You were the only Bible teaching church that I had found. And because of you, I was able to walk out of that denomination and out of that false religion. So thank you so much for your ministry. You are amazing. Wow. I got cold chills all over me. Thank you. What's your name? My name is Muta. And where are you from? Uh, Michigan, Southwest Michigan. Awesome. Oh, thank you so much. Because of you, I'm a church planner now. Oh my goodness. Wow. It's incredible. I might cry right now. I might, I might want to pull a Carl Lentz right now. So, yeah, that's good. Thank you so much. Anybody else? Um, yes. Mine kind of big piggybacks off of his. So when you're tracking it, how exact, like simple, how do you track it? Like, is it a spreadsheet? Is it a program? Yes. Uh, well, we we, we, we we have we use Fellowship One in our church, okay? So there are different metric approaches you can use. But you can use it as simply as an Excel sheet and just do – just basically uh, – Find it the simplest. What I tell people: don't complicate it. Okay, try to try to get. We're not after you, you're not after metrics. You're after information. Okay, that's what you're after. Okay, you're, you're trying to metrics are no. They're just numbers. Okay, what you want is what's the story? What's the story? What's this telling me? Okay, and so whatever works for you that'll tell you the story. Sometimes it's just even anecdotal. You can observe certain things about certain. If you, I can walk walk into a starting point class and I can see somebody that's hosting it and I can know. But we got half the people asleep right now. Okay, uh, I don't need a metric. I don't need a number on that. Okay, I can like okay, we need to get rid of this guy. Okay, he's not going to do a very good job, right? And so some of it's just observation and learning to be observant, and some things are numbers, but just find the simplest way that will give you the information you're looking for. Don't, uh, don't, uh, don't try to make metrics more complicated than they are. Uh, the, the, the analysis is more important than the metric. Okay? Good. Yeah. Yeah, I'm, I'm anybody? Yeah, right here. Uh, you just said we tend to overcomplicate things, and I definitely agree with that. Uh, you mentioned something under point two, clearly marked entrance and exits. Uh, talk to us about how you make that special appeal, because we don't want it to sound like a need, uh, but an extra opportunity. Exactly. And, we, you know, for example, we, we, we're, let's say we're launching a new service. Okay, let's just use that for you. We're going to start a new service. You know, one of the things that we're excited about, we have a tremendous opportunity to be able to reach uh, a massive number of people. Uh, and we're going to launch a new service, let's say, at uh, one of our campuses. Let's say we'll launch a one o'clock service. And one of the things we want you to be aware of is an opportunity we have where you can come and serve and make a difference in reaching a whole new set of people. We believe there are people here that are going to come to a one o'clock service 
service. It wouldn't come to the 11 o'clock service. And your willingness to now come to church at 11 and serve at 1 can make a difference for eternity in someone's life. How many of you have ever seen someone come to Christ in a service? Oh, we have. Would you like to be a part of helping people meet Jesus? Yes, I would be. Okay, so this is a great opportunity for you now to take your spiritual life to the next level and you can serve. And there's nothing like being a part of a service where you see people give their lives to Jesus. Now, how many want to sign up? Right? Okay. Right? Now, all of a sudden, what happened? Did I use the word need at all? Never even used the word need. Now, do we need them? Yeah. Of course, okay, but but it's really not about the need, okay? It's really it's really about now that person suddenly sees this as a part of their spiritual development, okay? There's opportunity. I mean, when you when you tell an usher when you come and serve and you get to see somebody, and you're in the back, and I'm asking people to give their lives to Jesus, and you're back there pointing out people who are raising their hand to me. That's pretty exciting, isn't it? Okay. Now suddenly they begin to realize, wow, I get to be a part of this team. It's not that they need me. I, I get to invest in what God is doing in this community right so it's finding creative ways to communicate the vision of what you're trying to accomplish good question by the way Uh, so I was wondering uh, what do I guess the teams look like like who's leading them is there somebody every other week leading the teams and then also who's training those leaders every we have our staff uh, uh, is divided in such a way that we have staff team staff leaders oversee the certain departments our connect grow and sew area or serve areas and then all of all of our all of our main groups where they have their VIP gatherings, they're all volunteer-led, okay? In fact, if, we, if you look at our church in terms of the size, number of people that attend our church versus our staff, we're extremely lean, extremely lean. We have a very lean staff, okay? Very small staff for most churches our size. But that's because we have really invested a lot in our volunteers. So almost all of our teams that are being run on a weekend are being run by a volunteer leader because we believe it's important to give people those leadership development opportunities. And uh, now we'll oversee them. There's a staff person overseeing them. But uh, uh, whether it's like a like one of our one of our weekend services, there'll be head ushers that have their team meetings and head greeters that have their team meetings. And then our section leaders with our children's department, they all have their team meetings. Our parking lot crews have their team meetings. And so as much as much as you can give away ministry to the volunteers, the better it is. And then to make sure that you have people that are checking in with them and supervising them. That's the that's the staff's role is to encourage and supervise and, and, and stay on track of what's going on. Yeah, back here. How do you define um, roles without using titles? Well, I don't. I probably was overstating the fact we do. We have titles at our church. Okay, it's just you know, it's it's we don't emphasize it in the sense of that's your identity. I think a lot of times people's identity get caught gets caught up in their title, we, and one of the ways that we do that is say, you know, this might be your title right now, but maybe next year we need you to do something else. Okay, so you know, to keep fluid in that, so you say, you know, you're serving in this department. Like for example, the guy who's over our Connect ministry right now used to be our children's pastor. Okay, but he's not anymore. I said, you know, I need you over this department now because I'm a big believer. If you're a leader, you can lead almost any department. Okay, for a lot of years, I had a guy over our creative department who couldn't sing a lick. I mean, he he had no no musical training at all, but he was over music and musicians because he was a good leader. Okay, he had good leadership capacity, and I wanted to have someone that could. So I'm a big believer that you can you you can use a leader anywhere. And so what you don't want you want people to be fluid, uh, available, whatever might be needed at a time. It's like in a football team. You know, if you you might be playing uh, linebacker today, but maybe next week they need you to be cornerback, and you have to be willing to. To, to, to shift. And so titles are there based upon function and also with flexibility. Yeah. Yes. 
How often do you do, we call it next steps at our church, but how often do you do your starting point? We've had like an influx of so many people every week. And it's like right now, my husband as the pastor is leading the next steps. So we're trying to keep from getting burnt out, but still creating that ramp on a consistent basis. Yeah, exactly. Type thing. That's tough. I used to do all those as well. We would only do them twice a year, but now we do them. Honey, how, how often is it? It's usually every month. I think it is. I think we take off some months at like Christmas like December we don't do it and maybe July we may not do it as well but but generally I think it's about nine or ten months out of the year and it starts on the first Sunday of the month and uh, the first three week, weeks are the growing or the starting point you can come anytime very similar to growth track and then we do baptism at all of our services every fourth weekend of the month and so at all of our campuses after every service we have baptism so just systematically in place and what i would also say as much as possible is to begin that process of training some other people that they can do that uh, what i did eventually is i do the main teaching with mine now on video but we have host that host it and process the class i don't do it myself personally but the video element i was a little concerned that that would work well but but, but people are used to it, and so we have video venues for our campuses anyway. So it might be a, another alternative for that. Yeah. Other questions? Yeah. Yeah. Just do you, do you guys provide child care during that, or do you, like, provide a meal? We've seen it conducted different ways, but trying to figure out. Yeah. Uh, no meal but child care, okay? Yeah, we do. Ha- we don't. Uh, we do have. We do at the end of, sick two or three times a year. Do we have like the starting point meal? How many times, honey? We have a, um, a dinner. Yeah, people that go through the the starting point and and become a part of our team, our church. We call them partners. We don't call them members. We just call them partners. We like that word better because you're partner with us with what we're doing. Uh, but those that become partners by going through starting point, then I think it's two three times a year, I believe it is. We'll have we rent a hotel ballroom, and we have them all come out for a meal, and we 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 celebrate them that evening. We have testimonies of a great time together. Uh, but that's uh, that's. That's kind of in lieu of the refreshments week by week. Yep. Yes, sir, right up here. I think he's going to hand you the microphone. There you go. Without sounding really weird, um, the gentleman back there, Muta, is a good friend of mine. And uh, we haven't seen each other in 10 years. And just to let you know, you know, the Bible says cast your bread upon the waters. You'll find it after many days. And uh, I think it was Pastor Chris says yesterday about honoring, you know, your leaders and so forth. I just wanted to affirm your ministry. I've never met you before. But I also was in that church that Mutai is talking about, that denomination. I was a pastor in that church. And for years, there are many things that I struggled big time on, but never really cared to, didn't know how to get out until I started talking to Muta, and he told me about you. And, um, you know, the degrees of separation is just ridiculous. Um, But here I am. (laughs) I live in Birmingham. I had no idea about ARC. I live right around the campus of the Greystone. I could walk to the Greystone campus. Wow. Didn't know anything about ARC. And this is my second year. And uh, so we hope to be able to plant next year. But I, w- I want to say this. You touched him, and he then helped me get to where I am now. So I was able to leave that church. And I just, I just want to say thank you for your ministry, and to God be the glory. Oh, my goodness. Wow. That's amazing. Yeah. Well, I- 
feel like I'm having I feel like I'm having a birthday or something today. This is great. This is awesome. So, <laughs> anybody have a cake? We could do this. Uh, so. Thank you guys so much. That means way more than you'll ever know. So it really does. Thank you. Yeah. Um, besides continually showing appreciation and training and recasting vision, how do you keep volunteers excited about what they're doing without sounding redundant about vision casting? Yeah, that's really a good. It's 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 it's. Um, I'm not sure that anybody has the total secret sauce on that. Okay, I think it's. Uh, I think there. I think when you when you're systematic. That's why some of the things I talked about today. I think the more you can become systematic in these things, the systematic training, the systematic uh, VIP gatherings, the uh, the systematic celebrations. We have three, as I said, each year that happen. Those are things that become high points. And just like anything, it's like you you came to a conference this week, right? Okay. And you're going to go back home charged up, right? You got something that you needed that shot in the arm, right? Okay. And you probably, this is, this probably is not the only conference you'll go to this year. Not It's not the only shot in the arm you'll need this year, right? Okay. You'll probably get another shot in on the arm from something else this year that'll keep you going. And so when you have these high moments in your church, and that's when you establish them, and that's why I really believe in those those three celebration points each year, and that consistent six months of training that we provide, and those VIPs, those are systematic, because there's like consistent shots in the arm that you give people, and it just keeps you, it's like this conference helps you keep going, those shots in the arm will help them keep going as well. So I think the key word I would give you there is just be very strategic and systematic in what you do with them, and, and, and it becomes kind of a part of your culture, yeah. I see a hand over here. Anybody else? <laughs> yes, right up here. Thank you. Um, so, how do you, like, you, we're talking about training, and I'm currently developing a training system for the children's ministry. Um, we've had, in the past, and I've been at the church for 10 months, and we haven't had one adult leader say that after they've gone through growth track, say that they want to work with kids. So let me ask you, how do you instill a vision where there was no vision in the whole body? Like, cause currently I'm in the first through fifth grade, both services every Sunday and I can't get into the main. Yeah. Service. Yeah. Yeah. So how do we install that vision throughout the whole thing? Well, I think one of the, one of the most powerful things you'll ever have in your church is storytelling. Every time you can tell a story, tell it, okay? And, story, and storytelling doesn't have to be like, you know, I was strung out on drugs for 50 years, and I walked in the church, and radically the Holy Spirit knocked me over, and I was uh, delivered. No, that, that We think sometimes, sometimes the storytelling is just the simple fact, as you find a parent that appreciates what happened in, a, in their child, or you, a child that experienced Jesus, or something that that's, you just create, even a video that shows something that goes on in that classroom, and the difference is making and you paint the picture see vision is painting the picture of a desired future that's all vision is okay when you say I have a vision you've got an image of a desired future okay or a desired impact that you want to make and so if you can find ways to tell stories uh, again not nice thing is that nowadays you can like on your on your Facebook page for your church I mean tell stories there okay make sure you're telling stories what's going on because suddenly people say oh I want to be a part of that I like to make a difference in that way so find ways to 
tell stories as much as possible. If you're a senior pastor, tell stories about what's going on in children's ministry, okay? Tell those stories in front of the whole church, okay? Uh, brag about what those folks are doing, the difference that they're making in people's lives. Again, move it beyond the point of we need you to the point of, wow, this we're making a difference in generations to come. You think about that. We've got these little kids every week, and we get to have the opportunity of talking to them about Jesus, and they're going to grow up. And I've been at my church long enough that I have kids that I actually dedicated as babies that are on my staff now. Isn't that incredible? Okay. That's pretty amazing, okay? But but see, that's longevity. Look at what we're doing to make a difference for generations to come. I'm ready to volunteer right now. When are you starting? Okay, okay. You follow what I'm saying? And so if you just paint the picture, tell the story, and get out of the, oh, we need you, to the point of this is the difference we're making in, in people's lives. And every, every church has stories to tell. Every church has stories. You just got to find the stories and tell them, okay? Excellent question. Are we done, or is this where anybody else? Yeah. Sorry, just a quick question. Sure. Um, how do you protect kind of your volunteers? You have those people that are like, I'm all in, use me wherever. How do you protect those people in a short term, right? So we're a brand new church and that we're 18 months old, but we're already at three experience times, which is amazing. Oh, yeah. So we always try to have serve one, sit one, but then you have people that are not only serving two of the three experiences with one team, but then they're jumping, which is amazing. But how do you protect to keep them from going, Okay, now I'm just done. I'm yeah, just exactly. Everybody hear that? That's a really important question, okay? Uh, I think there, there are two things related to that. One, one is to make sure you're having com ongoing conversations with that person or those individuals to make sure that, you know, that you're appreciating them, valuing them, and then talking to them about where are they in that process, okay? Are you getting burnt out? Are you not? Do we need to bring you back a little bit? And then to also begin to, because if they're volunteering at that level, then they're already showing some dimension of leadership capacity, right? Okay. And so what you then begin to do is move, okay, now what we want to do, you're doing an amazing job. You're serving three, two services. You're sitting one service. And what we want to do now, we want to move you to the next level. We see something in you. And so we want to help you now become a leader that you begin to find some people that now you can help train, do what you do. And so you begin to recruit them to become recru recruiters uh, on your team. And so you now elevate them to the next level of responsibility that they're not doing ministry. They're now beginning to think about how can I help lead this ministry and how can I recruit other people to be a part of it? And then now they become trainers and they can slip back and other people can step in. But I think that's that's the twofold strategy I think is valuable. Yeah, very good question. And tough, very tough when you're a church plant and, you know, seeing that, that much happen that quickly. Yeah. Well, I hope this has been helpful to everybody. I've enjoyed it. Thank you for the opportunity to share. And, uh, and especially special thanks to you gentlemen. You've made our day, our year. God bless you. Okay. Have a great rest of the day. Okay. Thank you.